Good afternoon. You're listening to Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel, and today on the program, I'm so pleased to have Haled Matawa here with me. Um, Haled, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm delighted to be uh, on the show with you. I hope we'll be on the Dead Writers show once we get to paradise. I'd love to do that as well. I'll see you there. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. I know. Well, sometimes, you know, yeah, who knows? I, I sometimes wonder about this name because... Because yeah, people yeah. are like at least glad that they they mm. qualify to be on the show. Yeah, people are yeah. relieved. Yeah. <laughs> what occurred to me today is would be, wouldn't it be interesting to have a dead writer's show where, uh, you know, you'd have an actor come in and sort of. Uh, do a pretend interview or maybe it'd be an interesting way to have like uh, you know these professors we have who are expert on Joyce or uh, Dickens and say okay you are now Charles Dickens uh, be interviewed and pretend you were him well Haled that's exactly yeah. I've, I've talked this over with a couple of people uh-huh. um, with Dave and a couple of people where yeah. we, we say like whoever you're like obsessed with at the moment yeah. maybe and you know when you're reading their like yeah. people's journals or diaries and their, their work as well yeah. then you would come on and represent them like so we exactly. could have Emily Dickinson and so it could just be yeah any writers and have a, like sort of a table of us like Absolutely. so maybe think about who you want to be for that okay? we can do the dead writer so while we're still alive exactly <laughs> nothing is impossible if yeah. you try uh, yeah. um, uh. okay well before we have any further mm. hilarity mm-hmm. I should probably start mm. by reading your your biography from okay, the back of your sure. your latest collection of poems, mm-hmm. Amorisco. Amorisco, yeah. And just let me just get this out in the open now. Mm-hmm. Just go ahead. Haled is actually going to be helping me along with any of my my pronunciation mm-hmm. uh, problems mm-hmm. very kindly today. So mm-hmm. everybody out there in Radio Land, you can wince before Haled corrects me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Haled Matawa was born in Libya and immigrated to the U.S. in his teens. The author of Ismailia, Eclipse, and Zodiac of Echoes, and translator of seven volumes of contemporary Arabic poetry, he has received the Alfred Hodder Fellowship at Princeton University, a Guggenheim Fellowship, and a National Endowment for the Arts Translation Grant. He teaches at the University of Michigan, right here in Ann Arbor. (laughs) (laughs) And Salda... All, all our jokes before. Yeah. I'm very comfortable with you, Haled. Mm-hmm. Um, and Haled is actually here with we're we're with a what is it? A, a, we're spoiled by the riches because mm-hmm. last year, 2008, mm-hmm. was a huge year for you, Haled, yes, with, with yeah. publishing. Mm-hmm. Did you just sort of store it all up and then? Rawr. I think I think it's the the way it works. I don't know if I was never born to be a, a, a you know a, what is it. A, a one child. What is the what's the word for being a one child uh, in a family? An only child. An only, an only child. Only? Yeah, I was almost said <laughs> a lonely child. See, <laughs> yeah, I was never born to be a, an a, an only child uh, because I always wanted company. And the same with I can't work on one thing at the same time. I feel like each book has to have company. And the way it's worked for me is uh, every one of my books seems to have two or three. Uh, translations uh, connected to it before, or after, or during, or under. so. When I first came to uh, Ann Arbor in 2004, it was pretty much the same thing. I had uh, uh, one book that had just come out, and then another book, poems, and one book of translation after an anthology of Arab American fiction. And this year, it's the same. So. Uh, this year, it's the year of the... We have two women, Jumana Haddad from Lebanon and Iman Marcel. And there's another book that came out at the end of 2007, which uh, I didn't have a copy to give you. Uh, so it's three books of uh, Arab women poets under 45. So, And they're all wonderful poets and, and, and good-looking, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I actually I noticed that, and I wondered if that figured in your decision to translate yeah, them. Yeah, it's all probably. <laughs> I'm sure we wouldn't have any of that. Well, so so we should mention then that, um, let's see, Iman Marcel's book mm-hmm. um, is titled, These Are Not Oranges, My Love, mm-hmm. Selected Poems. Mm-hmm. And then and that was put out by Sheep Meadow Press. Yes. And then the other book is Jomana Haddad, Selected Poems, Invitation to a Secret Feast. Mm-hmm. And this is by Tupelo Press, yeah. put out in, in um, 2008. 
right. Um, and I noticed it was interesting because there's there's a, a, a long poem within the uh, Jomanas collection, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's invitation to a secret. It's it's not feast mm-hmm. in in the it's dinner. It's dinner. Yes. <laughs> and I was thinking, mm-hmm. was that something you discussed with the poet? Because it's it's interesting because as you mentioned, mm-hmm. they're young. You're, yeah. They're uh, young and alive. Yeah. yeah. And so you you work directly with them on these translations. Well, actually, on this point, it was a suggestion from one of the editors at Tupelo. Not that there are many of them, but one of them had suggested that uh, uh, that we would make the poem dinner and the and the and the and the the book feast. Uh, The literal translation of the. of the the poem, the title poem could have been either one, dinner or feast. And in Arabic, uh, the word can carry both the kind of elevated and the homily sort of uh, aspect of meal. Uh, but dinner is a kind of deflated word in English. It's, you know, it's, it doesn't have a. It's so quotidian. Exactly, and uh, but in Arabic, the uh, asha uh, uh, can have both. Because uh, most people can have um, would have a light dinner mostly, but if you invite someone to dinner, then then you then it's a big deal. Uh, but dinner is a sort of a solid dinner in English, anyway. So uh, <laughs> so I, th- to me, I wanted to emphasize the fact that it would be a special event, so it was feast and plentiful. Yeah, and uh, and. Uh, but there was that possibility of both, so we said, okay, let's let's split the difference and keep the poem dinner, and the book would be the feast. So that's so, so interesting. Mm-hmm. So you actually meant, uh, mm-hmm. made that decision with the publisher and an editor. With the editor, I mean, we emailed right. uh, Jomana, Jomana, who goes by the name Joe, but we're not going to call her <laughs> Joe. Uh, when she agreed, uh, she didn't have uh, difficulty with it. I mean, she knows English, but I think that we were op- operating on the nuances of language that. I don't think Joana, Jomana uh, uh, really had a, a good sense of, of the differences. And, and as a translator, you know, you can only rely on the person being translated so much because uh, they don't really know the language as, as much as you do, or at least they don't have the Although she the knows about nuance. five other languages, right? Her first publishings were yeah. in French. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> right? she, she knew French. She knows French very well. I think that would have been her primary language in uh, and uh, she uh, she began to write in French in, in Lebanon, and then she moved over toward Arabic after she discovered the the, the, the modernist or the the sort of postmodernist Arab poets of Lebanon, and she sort of that's how she sort of uh, came into being as a writer through through Arabic. It's it's so we we have like we've just got so much to talk about, okay. Khaled. So we got to see it. But uh, I, where do we start? I th- yeah. Where do we start? I think mm. let's start with you. Okay, okay, that's fine. Because <laughs> you're our living writer in the hot seat today, okay, yeah, yeah. and then we'll move on to the mm. ladies because mm-hmm. it's especially since you've mm. been so gracious to say that mm. they're the work of translating actually mm-hmm. completely is a companion piece mm-hmm. almost to your own your own book that yeah, you've yeah. created during yeah, this time, yeah. Amarisco. Mm-hmm. So let's start with the, the title, Amarisco. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, the, the, the Amarisco, if you Google Amarisco, I think you might find my book is one of the first hits. I don't know. But there is an Italian racer. <laughs> 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 I can't remember his first name. His name is Amorisco. Uh, otherwise, you won't find much. Uh, I thought I made up the words, but I made up the word. I didn't know there was a, a person named Amorisco that the last name uh, was uh, at all uh, existent. And uh, it's a combination of um, uh, the, the Spanish uh, or Latin amor or for love and the word uh, Morisco, which is uh, where we might get the word moor. You know, Othello is a moor. I think we get the country Mauritania from Moors, uh, and Moors are basically the Arabs of uh, North Africa, some of whom had, had lived in in Spain for for about um, 900 years or maybe 700 years. I'm not sure. The Iberian no. Peninsula. Exactly. You think they would have been mm. able to lay some claim to it? <laughs> well, no. They, they, you know, it was you know, it, it wasn't a Muslim territory, and the Arabs came in and conquered and, and lived actually for a long time. They it was one of the, you know, Moorish Spain was one of the great experiments in, in coexistence between Christians and Muslims and Jews uh, in 11th century. And uh, but then with the Inquisition, 
Inquisition, uh, uh, Spanish Inquisition, and in 1492 is a momentous year in many ways. It's Columbus's journey westward and the expulsion of the Arabs from from Spain. It was the, the last uh, Arab princedom uh, folded, if you will. And uh, so the, the Moriscos, some of them had stayed and um, and they were told to convert to Christianity. And some of them were, uh, Moriscos were supposedly also... Uh, so they became exiled in their in their native land, and also I they uh, uh, they had to uh, you know pretend to be Christian. Uh, also, Jews in in Spain were were, were treated the same way. They're, I forgot the name, the term for Jews from Spain who were forced to uh, conversos. I think their names mm. were so, yeah, who were for, forced to convert. And uh, there were detection on them for about a hundred years. Um, the Inquisition followed up on them, made sure that they didn't circumcise, that they didn't eat couscous, <laughs> Can you uh, things imagine? like that. What bureaucracy! Exactly. I mean, for a lifetime. Well, it's you know, you know, speaking of the you know the Bush administration exactly. folding, they were sort of like you know we had an Inquisition going on for for a while, <laughs> uh, and that's the logic of the distrust. And uh, so, so it was the with uh, the word of t- combining the word for love and the word for uh, exiles exiles uh, that's now I see uh, that your connection there yeah Helen. yeah and uh, so it's the, the the sort of love and exile theme and it's not a very uh, oh it's not a very new theme and I mean maybe in American poetry it is kind of theme but the combination is is um, is very old in in, in 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 modern Arabic poetry but it's also it's it's very much part of the the um, the Arabic tradition, if you will, the 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 poet, uh, is, you know, is always uh, in love and is always bound to be and, kicked out and of sort of wandering to exactly, somewhere. yeah, right? absolutely, yes, and uh, and one of the the traditional uh, sort of staging for poetry in, in in ancient Arab poetry, but it stayed and persisted until now. Is yeah, the poet visits a site and he sees that his beloved has left. She and her family had packed up their tents and left and he is uh, forlorn and then he takes on a journey in an opposite direction not necessarily after her. maybe he's after her but so in a sense love and moving away uh, are, are are pretty much the <clears throat> sort of connected that uh, to be broken hearted and, and to, to travel the world are, uh, are uh, a combination they come together and so uh, that's what I was sort of playing with in 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 creating and coining this term. And and do you feel like that you were aware of that as as a project as you began writing this uh-huh. these poems, Halad? Because yeah. the, the book is divided into three sections, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and and do you feel like that's or is that something you just sort of understood was your concern as yeah. the number of poems was growing around you? It's the latter. Uh, the uh, the awareness that some of these uh, themes were that this is what I was sort of exploring or that I had a, a a book emerging in this sense. I didn't say I'm going to write a book about this, uh, but I, uh, but I, uh, but I decided that, that I saw that I was doing this. Actually, when I was working on the previous book, which was a much more structured than I knew it was structured in the way it was, um, as I began, even though I switched it around, uh, uh, w- once I switched things around in the in the in zodiac of echoes, some of the poems in this book were sort of uh, le- adrift, and they became the seed for what's in here. Uh, and I said, okay, you know, this is the theme that is not going to sort of. Uh, uh, be have a, its own section in this book. I, I should let this. I should take this out and let it grow on its own. And uh, and I'm remembering now this since it's five years ago, and it's a similar occasion uh, because it's the release of the you know a book when uh, Ray McDaniel introduced me at Shamantram um, five years ago. He was saying, you know, this is a sly book. It has a political element. It has all of these sort of things, autobiography. But you know, he's the, the Khaled is always 
always talking about love and he's talking about love. And uh, so he detected that uh, I had filched a section to keep it in a new book and he detected that, you know, that, that it was there. And it was actually, it, it is it is all over that book too, but this one is sort of like amorisco, sort of it announces itself so sort of more forcefully. And, and it does that. The sectioning of the book... Um, really was a suggestion of a, a, a friend. I, I, I'd always want a book to be just one book, one long thing. Why is that? I, I, uh, it, maybe it's a, it's a, a, a epic envy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let's take a short break and okay. we'll come back. You're, to epic envy. To epic envy. Okay. You're, um, you're, we're t- today I'm talking with Khaled Matawa. I'm T. Hetzel. You're listening to Living Writers. We'll be back. مرت حلم مريت يا ولادي شفت الظلم مزروع ببلادي فاء البطل فاء البطل فيا الفادي وطل الصبح ناديت حري Welcome back. You're listening to Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel, and today Haled Matawa is here in the studio. He has got, we're looking at three of his books, all new ones, um, all available to you today um, and and every day at Shaman Drum. But tonight's a special evening because it's seven o'clock. Haled, yeah. you're going to be reading at Shaman Drum this That's evening. That's right. Yeah, yeah, reading and signing books and uh, celebrating the, the release of all these books together. And, and yeah. so, yes, and so there's so mm. many. And mm-hmm. so that's seven o'clock at Shaman mm-hmm. Drum. Yeah. Uh, Haled will be reading. So he's got his collection, mm-hmm. uh, Amorisco, uh, and that's that's with Osable Press. Yes. And then we've got um, the two books. It's interesting. We've got Iman Marsal. These are not oranges, my love, selected poems. And these are, um, all of these are your translations. Yes. And you, yeah. and you worked closely mm-hmm. with Iman um, Haled. And then, and then we've got uh, Jomana Haded, Haded. And this is edited mm-hmm. with a, with a great introduction by you but but then it's interesting because you work with some of there's other um, poets and writers mm-hmm. who have helped with the translations yeah. and some you worked in collaboration mm-hmm. with them mm-hmm. and then some um, your, are solo translations mm-hmm. of yours and some of theirs so that's mm-hmm. um, so we have a lot to talk about okay. and, and yeah. that book is invitation to a secret feast yeah. um, now Going back to Amorisco, yeah. where we left off with Epic Envy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so you did decide to mm. section the book. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, talking about sectioning books, is, it's a discussion that probably only happens in MFA seminars of creative writing, whether to section or not section, or where the movements were and so on. And uh, uh, I think uh, the I relented to the suggestion of sectioning the book was to create a certain kind of breather in between between to to uh, to uh, give a sense of uh, one movement ending and another not, and it's still a very organic. Uh, I, ha- I don't have a logical explanation. It's just sort of organic. Oh, so this is a good thing to pause on. And, so you uh, still see it as a through line. It's yeah, not as yeah. if you want people to consider mm-hmm. section one, mm-hmm. because that's what somehow mm-hmm. I sometimes wonder, like, oh, yeah, yeah. you know how you're looking at that and seeing the beginning and the end of that section mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then how that transitions. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think books of poems, unless they are telling a story, and unless, unless you really are telling an epic poem where, okay, uh, the... Uh, uh, Gilgamesh. Yeah, Oedipus <laughs> has been thrown away and now he's out in the wilderness and crying. You know, that's a good way to sort of like, you know, and now for a commercial break. So, yeah, uh, that's a good way to pause. Uh, but you know, with with the lyric poems or short poms, they're... Um 
it is in a way like herding cats and you just sort of try to find out which cats will not fight uh, <laughs> and just sort of group them together in, in a way and they seem to have a sort of a, you know, a thread to them. But when you're writing lyric poems, they're each has its own direction and it's all, it's all impulse and, and uh, it, it's, uh, it's just a way of sort of arranging them in a, in in proximity, sometimes you want one theme, one poem to spill into another. There's even one word sometimes mm-hmm. in between them, or sometimes it's because you want to change gears. That this was a longer poem, you want now a shorter, more compressed poem. It, it's all um, really improvisational, it, it, and, and you, you go into it with an improvisational impulse, and 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 you you stick with that kind of uh, sense of almost visual arrangement of the poems and and you have a feeling of it don't Mm -hmm. you like Mm -hmm. when you see them next Mm -hmm. to each other it's just this Mm -hmm. feeling that it's right yes or so yeah and it's interesting because there was one poem Mm. with um i think what is the poem that comes before buster it is called in praise of praise in praise because for some reason when i looked at those Mm -hmm. oh yeah i see it now (laughs) thanks halid um i was looking at that thinking i wonder if there was this connection Mm-hmm. I don't know why there was one word that se- seemed to ring because mm-hmm. you had bolster in praise of praise. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I was mm-hmm. immediately saw the connection to buster with uh, that. I don't know. And, buster, and yeah. I don't even, that was probably yeah. completely unintentional. Uh, <laughs> and, and the poem to buster that was, was a poem to cat, to a cat, is, is a, in praise of, of, of a cat, if you will. So there is that. I did never made that connection. It never, and the bolster, buster never occurred to me uh, and the, these two never occurred the, the sort of it's a praise poem and it's a praise poem but the the, 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 the the thing that I sort of worked on or I felt conscious of is that I really wanted to work on a short poem and a longer chattier poem uh, and that, that's really the sort of the tensions that I found exciting in this book uh, that uh, I wanted to see uh, the short poem that you know, um, could just uh, exist maybe for all time, if you will, and uh, it has maybe has a certain sort of symbolic uh, register to it, and and, and maybe yes. we can read a, a poem like that, that, that to, to sort of as an example of that. Well, I think in praise of praise is exactly that, mm-hmm. especially the mm-hmm. final uh, three lines. Mm-hmm. I think it yeah. seems like something um, definitely like the speaking to something greater than it. You know, than it, in it than itself, like simply on a page, it's yeah. speaking to greatness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it's a, and it is a poem that that is that is a uh, that is hoping to sort of maybe survive uh, uh, and be sort of maybe touch on an eternal theme, if you will. Yeah, in praise of praise, to give what is deserved, to polish what had never dimmed or been allowed to slip away from luster, to crawl deep into memory, to step into the cellar and wipe with one sleeve what must fight off reclamation, the spider web, the tight acidic work of the dirt slow engine, to continue in psalm, lest the sky fall upon its lanterns, to rescue a lost comet drifting toward the mine's carbon, to give oneself to the rescue, to remind for remembrance is the first breath of faith, for what we are remains flesh, and that is why the tongue must bolster what no echo can haul. Praise, praise, I throw myself into your orbit, chanting, chanting, and when I pause, you'll know your horizon's edge. Praise that good, even when misidentified, mislabeled, misguided, can be wrought. Praise the surrender, the denial, the idea that something is worth saving, that we can seek what can save us. Thank you, Helen. Thank you. Thank you. Hmm. Um, Yes, because then those final, those culminating lines, isn't Mm -hmm. it? That's where everything... It's like, oh, right then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is a bit of, it's, uh, maybe there's a little bit of bombast at the end of that, or no, every no, time when you're no. reaching, when you're reaching for a, sort of a whole collective moment, you are you are really reaching, uh, and uh, and it, it it sounds like a poem that should perhaps end a. Uh, 
end a book or end sort of it's like a prayer but at the same time it's very interesting to have that sort of big moment and then okay I'm going to now praise cat. my cat yes. <laughs> <laughs> that seems yeah. great uh-huh. that does yeah. seem great yeah. so. and pay attention to everything right mm-hmm. um, with your uh, appreciative eye mm-hmm. and heart mm-hmm. um Oh, that's wonderful, Helen. Mm. Well, let's also, let's talk a little bit about mm. um, this idea of exile again, because yeah. you, you have this, um, I was looking on Osebel's uh, website, yeah. and, and, and I was wondering, what is it like? Because you came to the States mm-hmm. um, in, in 79, mm-hmm. when you were a teenager, yeah. and so you moved from Libya, you came to the States, and you grew up in Louisiana, mm-hmm. and then you, your rest of your, your academic career mm-hmm. was spent in the States, yeah, uh, yeah. political science and mm-hmm. economics degree. <laughs> right mm-hmm. and then moving on to to english and creative writing at yeah. indiana yeah. so what is it like to uh, that was just like a fast track yeah yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. but what what do what do you do you see yourself as um staying mm-hmm. here and uh, writing from this place this land forever mm-hmm. or, or or in in some of your poem um mm-hmm. you mention uh meditations mm-hmm. that marcus aurelius like, yeah. when going after a long absence returning to your mm-hmm. your own land yeah, and, and yeah. having that inform yeah. as a framework mm-hmm. um so now within all of these things that I've yeah, just yeah. asked you, yeah, Hamad, yeah, yeah. do you feel like you're you're writing from from exile and is that something that's valuable in your, your work? Well, I I think the the, uh, the connection with with exile is, you know, oh, you've been here for 30 years and what the hell is, what are you talking about with exile? Is it, uh, what is that? Uh, why is that? Why do you persist in, in sort of thinking about that? I think there are... Um, um, uh, concerns such as uh, that you know to be exiled or to be slightly detached has its, has its sort of disadvantages and advantages. Uh, partly uh, because belonging has its um, it's, it's a taxing thing in, in a sense of of uh, becoming a sort of national in any way. Well, it gives you blinders. Certain exactly, blinders. and and you refuse that, and you and you refuse that going into a place, and then and then uh, and then even coming back to, and so it's okay. So um, exile is to be. Um, uh, detached from uh, what uh, you don't want to belong to in any in, in, in a sense, uh, and you know, in America is uh, uh, is the land of many exiles, and and I think you know Edward Said had when he talked about exile. I mean, Edward Said is is sort of the. Um, prototypical cosmopolitan and and also one who insisted on his exile he uh, he wrote about exile after 50 years of of coming to the United States you'd uh, like that to t- take exactly <laughs> no but i think it it persists or remains uh, partly uh, s- some of the conditions that one finds itself in and exile has an advantage of um of uh, I think there's a kind of a moral advantage, particularly if you have um, difficulty with the issues that face you in in, in the country where you where you come. Uh, and you know we're talking now. I mean, just a few days ago, this uh, bombardment of, of Gaza had had, um, had just ended, uh, cynically ended, uh, so that the Israeli government was using the last days of of Bush to mop up Gaza and, and so on. And to kill as many uh, so Hamas fighters and anybody who's happened to be near them. Uh, so it, it, it's and you see that it, uh, that the, you know, the United States is very involved. Uh, the weaponry, uh, the uh, white phosphorus uh, weaponry that had killed so many was very effective in killing many people, civilians, children, and women, had come to the United States. And you see, you know, uh, I am a citizen and and so on, but. It, uh, as a, as a as a person, uh, you, you know, you um, you have the, the politics of the of the of the country uh, makes you take a sort of certain kind of stand. Is it better to be exiled or to to be in any way in support of of such policies? Um, and I think uh, you, uh, I think morally, are uh, required to. Um, 
distance yourself to some degree from this and not have it be blamed on you and and uh, and also to uh, to combat it to fight it and uh, belonging necessarily uh, and if you have a desire of belonging you know you you get involved in perhaps uh, unappetizing things one of the the, the premier uh, sort of successful exiles for uh, for uh, Uh, Edward Said was Henry Kissinger, and Henry Kissinger was, <laughs> you know, so-called so uh, orchestrated uh, some kind of peace in Vietnam, which you know, with the war in Cambodia, he gave, uh, he you know, was very instrumental in uh, atrocities in East Timor. And, yeah, you know, th th is that the, the kind of you know uh, sort of assimilation one wants to belong to? So. Um, I think holding on to exile is 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 historical. It, you know, uh, there are. I mean, it has it depends on your on your circumstances. And I I, I would say it's very important that I think the exile goes both ways. It is. It's not that okay, I'm exiled in America and then I go home and I'm just you know in the land of milk and honey. I feel I feel uh, an outsider there as well. As well, Something but 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 it's not such a sense of. Um, Uh, it's not tragic. It's just well, that... Well, sometimes exile means that you can't go back, but that's not the case with Libya. Not You're anymore. You're able to come and go. Yeah, and, you... uh, it was kind... It was, you know, very difficult. It would have been, you know, I would have faced very difficult circumstances had I returned in the 80s. In the 90s, it was uncertain. And then by 2000, things opened up and I started going back. So uh, and I, so I went back when it was safe to go back. It may have been safer to go back earlier, or safe to have gone back earlier as well. But uh, that's what happened. Mm. Well, well, let's let's mm. uh, take a short break, mm -hmm. and then we'll connect if that can be if you can be exiled from love as well. Okay. And, and so you're listening <laughs> let's to hope not. <laughs> <laughs> to keep the program sort of cheerful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're listening to Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Today, Haled Matawa will be back. Listening to Living Writers, I'm T. Hetzel, and today, Khaled hmm. Matawa. Um, I'd also like to say thanks to Alex Sergey for engineering. Um, three cheers. Hooray, hooray, hooray for Alex. <laughs> <laughs> He's also the lazy DJ, so his show, show um, roll, we roll right into Living Writers after hmm. his music. What is the, the concept of the lazy DJ? Does he not talk? Well, yeah. Alex, you want to come on the mic and, and give a little <laughs> plug for the lazy DJ? Yeah. <laughs> well, I talk as little as possible for one thing. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, and the other thing is I usually uh, usually figure out what I'm going to play ahead of time and put it all on my computer. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I mean, that's also the, mm. the, the life of a, a DJ who also has a full-time job, yeah, I'd yeah. imagine, uh -huh. as well. It's, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, there's some practicalities, right? That's great. <laughs> DJ, a DJ is a, is a great occupation, I think. It's, well, it's very interesting. Well, yeah. Haled, you were saying yeah. that you, were, you had a stint in radio, too, in Tennessee. It was a checkered career. <laughs> checkered radio experience. I, I, uh, it was very minimal and it was abysmal. I would get so frightened that I would forget to switch on the button to talk and uh, and so there would be lots of dead air and anyway it didn't last very long I, I'm a talkative person but somehow the radio scared me not knowing who was listening and I, I think for <laughs> For many people, it's the it's the opposite. It's not knowing who's there that and and not that thinking frees, about who's there that frees them. them. For me, it was sort of uh, 
uh, I, I wanted to know who was there for some reason, and, and that you can't do that with radio. You have to be comfortable. So congratulations to the lazy DJ for, <laughs> for Alex, his success. Alex Sergey. <laughs> He's yeah. got it all. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. hello. Mm. Let's let's go back to talking about mm. Amorisco now, and mm. also remind everyone mm. in case you're listening in your car while you're driving, mm. um, you can put your sights on mm. Shaman Drum for seven o'clock tonight. Mm-hmm. Halad will be reading and signing his mm. books, Amorisco mm. and. And um, his two books of translations, These Are Not Oranges, My Love, An Invitation to a Secret Feast. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, so is there like, is there a poem that you could read for us, mm-hmm. uh, Khaled, that's like uh, something that's, I don't know, either dealing with the, the aspect of love connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, because mm-hmm. if you're by blending those two mm-hmm. words, mm-hmm. Um, which I think is a wonderful idea, yeah, yeah. of course, mm-hmm. um, What is it that you feel like you're you're wanting to say about being? Is it because we're we're outside mm-hmm. at, even as we are insiders of love? Or mm-hmm. what? What do you? I don't know. I don't have a theory, and I, I'm glad I don't because I I keep, <laughs> I keep sort of finding images and pictures and similes and sort of situations. Uh, you don't want to strong arm it. No, no, and and if I if I fully understood it that I, in, in a psychological or philosophical concept, then I would lose all the imagery associated with it. Yeah, yes. and uh, and I, I'm you know I, I think poetry doesn't sort of create the mystery or preserve it. I think it, poetry is another way of finding out the mystery. And I think if you're a poet trying to preserve mystery, then you're, 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 um, you're, uh, you're maybe forcing a, a kind of lack of understanding. But I, I think you're, you're uh, opening up what you don't know. Uh, in the way that is uh, in the way that you best can and um, so it is a, a way of, of finding understanding but at the very tactile at the very uh, uh, maybe sort of uh, pre-conscious level uh, of understanding things and, and certainly uh, you, what we're as a, what a poem produces yes there is a poem that can tell us what the world is like in a big sense but also uh, what a lot of poems tell us is that you can really uh, uh, know only as much as you you are experiencing at, at the moment and therefore you have to experience it intensely or or very precisely uh, to to know it and also you can't generalize without that very very specific knowledge and so um, uh, that knowledge emerges from finding the right metaphors from getting the precise images down uh, and then seeing how that situation uh, has uh, what it means and if it has any larger implications, but you're not even responsible for those. You, you know, you're just sort of, you're, you're only responsible for what the moment means of to the you. Moment. Yeah. The moment. And, and maybe we can look at a, a poem that, that does that. And, and it's kind of a metaphysical poem. Um, it's called Pastoral. So even the title is sort of a general, so sort of, this is a general poem, sort of a pastoral poem. And uh, speaking of the of the uh, of the uh, sort of amorous situation uh, that that people might identify with, pastoral, we talk like strangers. This is how we bring back that first seduction. You tell a story. Your face wears an old diffidence, and because your story is new to me. I become new to you. You pause between sentences, surprised by what you tell, surprised at the stranger that I am to you. When your story ends, new words, their ink glistening still, are inscribed over the old. Estranged, we seek each other. Behold, ourselves meeting among the crowds we have become. Thank you, Halad. You're welcome. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So Shaman Drum tonight mm. at seven o'clock yeah. to hear more poems yeah. too. Um, so, so yeah. So what do you want to say about that? There was something on. I mean, that, that's a very specific poem. Uh, perhaps it's about one situation, but I, but I, I think it's it's uh, opens up to 
the notion of how each of us can become multitudinal to another. Sort of like you know, Walt Whitman says, I contain multitudes. And, and, and I think what we get from that is, okay, Walt contains multitude, but so somebody else, so, so are you, so do you. And, and, and in a way, people can, um, can become uh, multitudinal to each other. And I think that's how we become interesting. And I, and I think... I think when one is in love or when love someone else, the, the, the person we love, we, we, we love them because they are interesting, uh, you know, because they, they, they keep opening up. Uh, something we've forgotten about them shows up in an interesting way. Something we didn't know shows up. Uh, we are uh, curious about whom people we love and also we are repeatedly surprised uh, by them. So that's one experience and, and, and uh, that, that that the people we love are are, are re- repeatedly new to us. They are they uh, renew themselves, uh, not in any sort of uh, uh, pretentious manner. It's just that the way they, we we experience them. Uh, and then I, I guess the, the, to put beside that sort of maybe perhaps a, a nice lyrical moment is is another poem which I'd like to read if you don't mind. No, please. Uh, this is a, a poem called Adulthood, and again, it's a sort of boring title. But this is the culminating in the poem, and I've, there's a, a, a poem called uh, Childhood Fridays, there's a, a poem called Adolescent, Adolescence of Burnt Hand, and then Early Adulthood, and then here's Adulthood for you. So there is that aspect of, of what, what the... With pastoral, there's one aspect of what 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 love sort of the generative force that's in love, and then here's the the world, if you will, and then there's the world of adulthood, and and uh, and uh, the two are in competition, perhaps adulthood. There are boats out there loading bananas, scrap yard workers taking down tankers one inch at a time, the sun over the Indian Ocean the blinding glimmer of the sea. What if one were to walk toward it or on it, that call, that wind blowing between my ribs? There are weavers, bolts of damask and rayon, buttons stitched and visions lost, grains of sand falling from their eyes, kidneys sold. Why must you bring me the same question? A throat being slit, my hand on the killing hand, guiding it, the sweet warmth joining us. Someone is still calling from beyond the glimmer that drowns my eyes. Not my angel, not my death, something closer that knows what I'll do next. Thank you, Haled. You're welcome. Let's take a short break, and then we'll come back. You're listening to Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. You're on WCBN, FM, Ann Arbor. Haled Matawa. We'll be back.
M.T. Hetzel today on the program, Khaled Matawa. Uh, we've been talking about his latest collection from Osable Press, Amarisco, uh, a collection of poems. Uh, then we also now, and we've got to hear a couple of them, uh, very lucky for us. Um, and now we're moving on to Iman Mersal's These Are Not Oranges, My Love Selected Poems, uh, which Haled translated all of these poems and worked with Iman closely on it. So it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have also Invitation to a Secret Feast, selected mm-hmm. poems by Jomana Haddad, um, which Haled, you you translated many of them, m- m- more of the earlier ones, it looked mm-hmm. like. But mm-hmm. then you also were at, worked as an editor mm-hmm. and brought other people in like Marilyn Hacker and mm-hmm. other other translators as well. Yeah. So talk about hurting cats. I mean, you have mm-hmm. so many balls up in the air, really, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With these projects. Yeah. Well, well, well with Jamana Haddad's uh, book, uh, it sort of fell into my lap. She had said, I have this manuscript. You have some some of my translations. Uh, some other people had done translations uh, uh, of mine. Uh, uh, what should we do? Uh, there is a publisher that might be interested. And I looked at what she had, and I said, you know, it's too small to be a book. It needs to be more. There needs to be more of, of this manuscript. And is she a friend of yours, Halid? Like, how do these people, like, as poets, is uh, there, like, a strong um, yeah. Arabic po- poetry community? Because mm. I know you're the you're mm. the president of, of Ameri- um, Arab-American yeah. writers. But yeah. when you... How is that working? Well, no, there there is a kind of a split. I I, I work with Rawi, Radius of Arab American Writers, and um, I am the president of that association. Uh, but uh, that's for the Arab Americans, the the, the 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 American citizens who are of Arab descent and who are uh, basically writing uh, American literature that is. Uh, uh, might well, might be lumped within uh, ethnic American literature, like African American or Asian American or Chicano or Latino uh, American literature. Uh, there is a whole, and they're in English, uh, like my, like myself. Uh, then there is a whole other uh, literature, social literature of the Arab world, which is in, in Arabic. And uh, I've been translating Arab poets who write in Arabic for uh, God knows now almost twenty. In fact, since. The time I began writing, I started translating. So because that's that's mm-hmm. just so necessary mm-hmm. in in your whole process of mm-hmm. creating poems, isn't it? Well, it, it's necessary, as I was saying earlier, perhaps as a kind of companionship. Uh, when I was writing, uh, when I wanted to write, I really didn't know my models, and uh, and, I, and I didn't have my models in English, and and I wasn't sure who should help me to write. And so translation was what helped me. I mean, I, I um, highly identified with Mahmoud Darwish, uh, the Palestinian, great Palestinian poet. And uh, and one of my first writings was translating him. That that's It's almost like a translation had, had been a kind of a third wheel for me as a, as a writer. And it also had the poetry that had subject matter that I identified with that I couldn't find, if you will, in American poetry. And uh, the other poets that I identified with early on were translated poets. Nazim Hikmet from Turkey, C.P. Kavafe, uh, Vallejo, and Neruda. So all the international poets, all the foreigners, you know, speaking of exile, uh, these translated poets helped me write in English. Uh, and so translation was, uh, uh, you know, you have this exercise of these dotted words, words that are sort of, you know, when you're, when you're just like, you're four years old or five, you're trying to write and there's a, there's a, a, a letter D, but it's made in dots and you're just sort of, you know, learning by numbers or by dots. So translation was sort of like that. With Jumana Haddad's book, I, I, the, she had some uh, translations by other poets, mine. Uh, she had a publisher interested, and I said, you know, this this wouldn't make a very good book, and um, I'll be glad to work on it and, and really shape a kind of book. And I, so I added more translations. I had published some of my translations with a journal called Banipal in London, which I worked with as well. And, uh, and so we... Um, uh, assembled those and I added some more and then she'd given me sort of early drafts of, of translations that I uh, re- edited and redone and I uh, and I those are most of the um, uh, the you know the translated uh, the poems where it's me and someone else translating the poem it's an early draft by someone and and me I mean I could have 
done the whole translation from zero, but I wanted to preserve uh, the fact that there was an effort by somebody else. And of course, the introduction was to place her career in context, and, and then we put a book together. I translated some of the early poems, and maybe to give a flavor of her work, uh, maybe we should read some of those. What do you think? Yes, yes. Okay. So uh, I'll read maybe two short poems. Um, uh, one is called Identity. Um, Identity. This is a poem by Jumana Haddad. This is how I am. No time for guilt. Playing with fate and quick to bore. Promises betrayed with neglect. It's useless to change me. Certainty is a stranger to me because of the panic love causes, because of imagination, because I'm only fit for laziness. My dates are arranged in the last minute or in premature withdrawals, in a sun that does not suffice and a night that never rescues, in impetuous leaps between thirst and its slaking. This is how I am a silence to reassemble my parts, a slow terror to shatter me, silence and terror to heal me from a wicked memory, no hope that light will ever guide me. I own nothing except my mistakes. Halad, mm. um, so this is how I am, that phrase. So when you're working in this with these uh, translations yeah. and translating many poems yeah. from a particular poet, yeah. like Joa, Mama, uh, Mama, um, um, what, what, when you are, are you firmly, mm. how is that? Cause you're, you're Iman Marcel, the other person mm. that you're working with is also a woman. So yeah. you've been inhabiting women's voices yeah. and like the voice of the woman. And mm. so how, how is that? You know, I don't know because there is a language before you and uh, you, you just sort of compare what you have uh, with what's on the page. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I think what you're what you're saying is very interesting in that when you're translating, you are a kind of actor. Uh, you are, a, you know, perhaps a method actor, stepping uh, into them, yeah, and their moments exactly, and and uh, you create a persona for the poet as well as for the the poem. And uh, and it's interesting that, you know, I, I don't know why it is. This is how I am and not who I am. Uh, I, I'm not sure why that choice is, but uh, I can go back to the original and tell you whether it's a literal choice or if I find that it's it's. Um, that actually we are how we are, and that, 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 that our identity is in actions, is in the how of the things we do rather than any kind of static sense of who. It's not, we are not fixed into a one who, I am a how, I do things and that, that makes me who I am. I'm a kind of a, a dynamic existence. But, but women in Arabic culture, too, mm -hmm. these are unusual women, mm -hmm. these poets that you're cho you've chosen, right? So they're not mm -hmm. just trying mm -hmm. to speak to not, mm -hmm. to stepping outside the culture. Mm -hmm. they're, they're writing from strength. and Yes, they are writing from strength, uh, absolutely. Uh, both of them. Uh, uh, and Jomana is, uh, I think this is one of the, 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 you know, she's inviting you, a reader, to a secret feast. Uh, it's, which is a very interesting sort of contradiction, invitation to a secret feast. Uh, and so uh, so she does write from that point of view. And she's not she's not the um, she's not the only one. And I think I don't think that tone is doesn't exist in, in Arabic letters or Arabic poetry. Uh, and uh, uh, it's there. And, uh, uh, you know, which is celebration and joy. Uh, yeah, there is that. And, 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 and the feminine, the feminine does exist. You know, the feminine exists. Everywhere it is repressed. Uh, it, it's, this is not a. This is not a, a, a fact that anyone should uh, not know, or perhaps everyone should know. Is that 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 um, yes, there is repression of women in in in, in Arab societies, uh, but at the same time, it's not a docile situation. Uh, language is one of these. Um, 
uh, one of these territories of 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 of, uh, of, of challenge, and uh, poetry is definitely creates a, a space. And it's very interesting in in a, in a country where uh, people women are supposed to dress, or in a you know society generally speaking, Jumana is from Lebanon, where it's a sort of freer country, but it's it's there. Uh, uh, the erotic becomes uh, even more erotic. The the uh, search for identity becomes even more forceful or the expression of identity so it's it's very interesting where the the people are supposed to be quieter and the women are quieter and more docile the poetry is screaming yes yeah yes <laughs> well Haled, we um you, you met I- iman mm-hmm. in a cafe and you said mm-hmm. that um she was the only woman in the cafe and for yeah. her that was not she was used to that is there mm-hmm. is there any a piece of mm-hmm. um iman marsal's that you'd you'd like you can just mm-hmm. kind of flip to and um, yes because we only have a couple minutes yeah. left yeah. unfortunately well, I, I want to read a, a poem that uh, in Cairo. When you go to Cairo, it's, this is you know when you go to you know clothing stores in Cairo. When you're walking past them in, in the the uh, the uh, uh, the ex, the uh, display of women's clothing is is uh, you know uh, is so evocative <laughs> uh, that. Um, uh, that uh, it, it's just uh, you know again as much as there is a repression there are ways of going beyond it and and Iman had grown up in a sort of a liberal setting and, and when in university she you know she became sort of a pseudo Marxist and so on but then the the the, the Marxism and and her female experience were coming into into confrontation so he is respecting Marx. Facing bright storefronts, flourishing with panties, I cannot stop myself from thinking of Marx. Respecting Marx is the only thing all those who loved me shared, and I have allowed them all, in varying degrees, to claw at the cotton dolls hidden in my body. Karl Marx, Marx, Karl Marx, I will never forgive him. Thank you, Haled. Thank you, T. Thanks for being on the program sure. today. Mm. Um, so you can catch uh, Haled Matawa tonight at Shaman Drum um, with his reading from his latest collection of poems, Amarisco, and also with his two books just out as well, um, Iman Marsal's These Are Not Oranges, My Love, his translations of her selected poems. And then we have Jomana Haddad's selected poems, Invitation to a Secret Feast, edited by Haled and also um, his translations in it uh, as well. Um, thanks for listening to Living Writers. Thanks again to Alex Sergey for engineering. Thanks for streaming wherever you are. Florida, Seattle, Chicago. Many thanks, Haled. Matawa. You're most welcome. And, Enjoyed um, it. And upcoming shows, Nami Moon. Um, until then, I'm T. Hetzel.
The Daily Sports Report. There to pick it up. Now here to Geis. Geis makes a move. Shoots and scores. Milan Geis with a sick move in the slot and beats Jordan Sigalat. I don't know how many moves he pulled off there, but Milan Geis scores. And we are tied at three goals apiece. So good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Sports Report. What? Throwback, Milan Geich. I know. Gotta love it. Yeah, well, welcome to the Daily Sports Report here on this, what is it, the 21st? First full day with President Obama, officially. So don't make that face, Andrew. <laughs> you know you love it. Anyway, Rushi Vias here along with Andrew Side, Andrew Crideris, and Jeremy Kreisberg, new, newly 21 Jeremy Kreisberg, as of a couple days ago. Thank you. <laughs> but I guess we'll start things off with that horrible. Do we perf- have to? Yes, unfortunately, <laughs> we don't. We don't have to stay on it long. But okay, we'll start out with that terrible performance by the Michigan basketball team last night in State College, Pennsylvania, where they lost by 15, but really were never even that close throughout the entire second half. Five of 30 from three-point range. Manny Harris with a grand total of four points, the Big Ten's leading scorer. Grand total of four points on the night, 0 for 5 from three-point shooting, and just terrible. I mean, Deshaun Sims, the only bright spot, and, you know, when nobody's making a shot and nobody's really playing defense, I mean, they were dominated inside by Penn State the entire night. Yeah, and that that was a big point, and if you didn't watch, you're fortunate because Tim McCormick could not get over the fact that, yes, we couldn't stop him in the paint. We get that, all right? We see. 